0: Hi, my is Elijah, and welcome to my podcast, Songwriting for Songwriters. My special guest this week is Danny McNamara. Danny is the frontman and chief songwriter in the massive band Embrace. We speak about his songwriting process, his all-consuming love of songwriting, how much detail he puts into his songwriting, his friendship with Chris Martin, and much, much more. So please subscribe and enjoy this podcast. Joining me today on my songwriting for songwriters podcast is Danny McNamara. Danny, how are you doing? Yeah, really good. How are you? Yeah, I'm great, thanks mate. Just uh just kind of enjoying a little bit of sun uh, sunshine in Dorset, so it's uh, it's not been around much as this summer so it's uh it's kind of nice to catch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so- totally. I was just thinking, um, I remember buying uh, your debut album Embrace when I was, I don't know, I must have been 14, 15 years old, queuing up in a long ferry queue to get a, to get a uh, ferry over to France. And that album soundtracked my entire summer. And uh, I listened to it again yesterday and it's so good. It's, the songs are, you know, obviously, Big, big songs, big concepts, big kind of, your voice sounds amazing. How do you feel about the debut album, Look, sort of looking back now? Because it was such a big hit, wasn't it? And and uh, I know you've had an amazing career since, but to have such a big hit straight away off the bat is kind of an unusual thing. So how do you feel about those
1: songs? Um, I think they still really stand up. Um, we Some of the songs on that first album we've played at every single gig since so um, stuff like oh, you good, good people, the goodwill out, come back to what you know. Um, I think I might be wrong, but I think we've played those at every gig. We might have missed goodwill out a few times when we did out or nothing at the end instead, but um, no, I think even then we just did out or nothing at the end of the encore and then did goodwill out at the end of the first bit or something. So yeah, the. the they have sort of really stood the test of time. I think there's like some of it sonically sounds nineties. Um, it's quite compressed, and uh, you know that certain sort of has has a little bit of a nineties feel to it. But it, but I remember even even back then, we sort of sounded a bit naive and a bit awkward and a bit unpolished and a bit um. A bit out of place. Um, I think we we always handled that. Like we didn't really know what we were doing, and um, I was always sort of against sounding too slick. So mm. we we worked. We sort of auditioned a lot of really uh, big name producers. Like we we had mixes done by people like Andy Wallace and stuff like that, and Chris Potter, and you know all the sort of usual suspects at that time. Um, you know, people who'd made massive, fantastic albums. And it always uh, sounded a bit slick, a bit... Um, not professional, but a bit... Um, I don't know, it sort of made it sound a bit distant and a bit inauthentic, something something about it. Um, I remember hearing... Um, I think it was Lee Mavis from The Lars, about their debut album saying that they scrapped it all because you couldn't hear the dust on the mixing desk.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm sure that that's not what happened because uh, it sounds too much like a story. But and I, I sort of know what it means. Like it had to, we were incredibly specific about every little detail and that's why in the end we, we kind of ended up doing it ourselves with the local engineer who we did the demos with and then in the end um at the end of the process because we'd taken so long we were all really burnt out and that's when uh, youth and hugo nicholson came on board and we re-recorded all you good good people and uh recorded back to what you know and mixed the album with them. And that really sort of gelled it all together. It still maintained that sort of authenticity and that um that that lack of polish. But it also sounded like a real record rather than a demo, you know. And it was sort of getting that balance right was really difficult. We we mixed it a lot. Um I remember at one stage ironically after we'd used Hugo the first and without youth um and I was sort of producing the mix um with Hugo engineering it and it it didn't it wasn't work how it wasn't working at all and I was just like this isn't gonna it isn't gonna happen you know it was all in my head uh sounding amazing but um <laughs> It felt like it was going to just forever be in my head and never be on the record. Yeah, I remember like, I literally almost had a, a breakdown about it. I locked myself in or staying in this friend's room on Oxford Street uh, with my girlfriend at the time. We were sleeping in a front room on the couch. Um, and I remember locking myself in the room and drawing all the curtains on. And my manager, uh, Tony... I mean, to get me and sitting there and going, come on, you've recorded it all. You've done all the songs. You've done the hard bit. Now just enjoy this next bit. Don't worry about it so much. And I was like, if it doesn't happen, if it's not as good as I've said it's going to be, I'm just, everyone's going to laugh at me. And because I built it up to be so, such a big deal, you know, got on every front cover and, every radio interview and said we were going to be the next best thing since sliced bread, basically, you know. So there's this massive pressure. Um, and I started really feeling it. Um, and uh, and he said, well, don't go to the mix then. and Just see what they do, you know. And Hugo was a mix engineer and youth sort of took over as a producer. And they started with the easiest track, the Goodwill Out, because it's just... Phew, had a no vocal until, you know, three quarters of the way through it. You can't. It's much more difficult to get it wrong. Um, and I remember I was there. I was I was in another room, staying away from it. And I think it was like playing pool or table tennis or something like that. And uh, Richard came in and he went, "They're ready now for you to have a listen." And I, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Because if this if this if it wasn't right this time, it's like, "Oh no," you know. Basically, I'm moving out of the country, I'm emigrating, you know. Just to avoid all the flack I would I would have got. Uh and and that's the version that's on the record, and it just it just immediately sounded amazing, you know. Um and I think I cried. I think I did cry. I was so fucking happy, so relieved. And then from then it was like one a day, and they were just all it was every single track was happening you know it was like yeah that's what i meant that's that's how i wanted it to sound you know um and and i guess like richard really sort of stepped up you know um because when when it got too much for me he would sort of tick over and yeah. there was quite a lot on that first album where I was like in lyric land or songwriting land or whatever. And there just wasn't enough time to do that and make sure the song the recording sounded good as well, you know. And so Richard really sort of grilled down into the details of that and really sort of carried his own way. Um and now when I listened to it, I don't remember how hard it was, you know. I just I'm just really proud of what we it, achieved you, it, know.
0: It, it, you know, it's great, you know, and I hadn't listened to it for a while, but obviously those songs, because I, when I was starting out as a songwriter, those songs had a big impression on me. So they've lived inside my head. So like, I'll be going around doing whatever I'm doing in life and they'll come back into my head and I'll stick them on and stuff. But it it, was, it sounds great. It sounds really, str- it's not, it doesn't sound like It sounds great. It's got the polish and it's got that kind of freedom to it as well. But something you've brought up here, which I think is really interesting, from a songwriting point of view, is I don't think sometimes people realize how much pressure we put ourselves under, or the industry can put you under to deliver this thing, which is supposed to be like this opus or masterpiece. And sometimes we <laughs> G- we gear up ourselves, like you said, we re- like going on about it. But it is quite a lot of pressure, isn't it? To sometimes to kind of uh to I uh, really resonate with what you're saying. It's it's tricky sometimes to live that pressure.
1: I I definitely put it on myself. I mean it was always there, but I made it worse. I didn't make it easier, you know. Sure. It just it just felt it just felt like the right thing to do. It just felt like I don't know whether it's a working class thing or you know, a northern thing or, or what, but I just I felt like if I've been given this record deal, then it's on me now to really yeah. Uh, you know, to to, to um vindicate it, it you know?
0: Yeah, I do know. I'm, I'm from the north as well. My dad <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I know I, I know it very well. There's a thing of like having to d- dig in and work harder than you think you have to and keep going and you know
1: Yeah. It's, it's I think it could be a bit of a normal I didn't north. I didn't feel in any way entitled to it. I felt I suppose in one way in a funny way you feel like you're fooling everyone that you're an imposter yeah i suppose deep down you think you know why why me why do i deserve this and so in order to really own it in order to really sort of you know if you're gonna own the stage when you walk on it you've got to really believe in what you're doing and 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 so i think in order to do that you sort of make it into the be all and end all. Yeah. And, yeah. and 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 that's what it was for me for the longest time really. Like the band was just everything. I didn't I didn't have a, you know, any kind of personal life or or any life really outside I the band and the music. And uh it's frightening how long you can sustain yourself on that. Yeah. Um, it's almost like a whole food in the sense that you don't die but you know, variety is the spice of life, and I wasn't getting really much variety, you know. It was just just um... where I never seemed to run out of stuff to uh, write about, you know. I guess, you know, being mentally ill and all those things that happened to me before we got a record deal meant that I just had an endless stream of stuff that I, I needed to get off my chest.
0: Are you comfortable with me asking asking about that?
1: Yeah, 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 um, I've
0: talked about it in life. It's kind of, um, one of the things, I didn't know that actually at the time, and, and I didn't know that that well, how you said it, but when you talk about like those songs like My Witness is None of Your Business and things, it was really evident to me and I think everybody else that like here's a songwriter who can sing really well and the band are great and the melodies are like massive, but like he's really like saying some stuff, not in a heavy way, but like he's he's got this uh, way of understanding the human condition and... And it's, like, really interesting. And for me, that's why it resonated so much, because I was like, okay, this guy knows what I'm thinking and understanding. So, like, what was that kind of period like for you, then, writing those songs, and where did that kind of beautiful ability come from to write lyrics?
1: Um, Thanks. Um, I feel it's a weird one. It's like... um, you get this you, you hear this quite a lot from people who write songs is that you don't really feel in control of it. Yeah. Um you sort of leave yourself open to it and it feels like they arrive. See, yeah. You know, like I can be sat there with a the guitar for hours and hours, days and days, and not get anything at all. And then suddenly a moment happens and and the hairs on the back of your neck go up and you know sometimes you can start it just floods of tears and and I also used to start really shaking you know I'd, I'd like literally like I'd need to go and sit by a radiator and wrap myself in a duvet because I'd just suddenly start really shaking violently shaking um and more often than not that had been you know three in the morning or you know the middle of the night at some stage and There'd be no one I could speak to, but I used to text everyone. And, you know, if, if someone was up, they'd ring me up. Um, and often as well, like uh, Chris, Chris Martin from Coldplay, he'd be up. So he was a good one I could, like, text. Either because he was you know it was a different time zone. Or because he was up fucking writing as well, you know. Yeah. Um, or also our old manager, Jazz, um, he was off and in america and so i remember when um i got the melody for compact you know i remember ringing him i think he was in la and uh played him the verse and he went wow that's a fantastic chorus and i went that's not the chorus that's the verse this is the chorus and i played him the chorus went oh my god it's got two choruses brilliant i was like okay all right maybe and then I played him the next bit, and he went, yeah, yeah. And it was just, like, really exciting. And he was like, you've got to put that on your new album. Because it wasn't originally going to be on the new album. It was recorded right at the end. Okay. He goes, that's not a single. you got to, you got to stick that on the new album. And, I, and we were just really burnt out by then, you know. And he said, "Now we'll get you. Well, you know, don't worry about it. Just enjoy it. I was like, the lyrics are not finished yet. He's like, doesn't matter. We'll do it this weekend. Let's, you know, strike well the iron spot. And he just had um, this infectious enthusiasm and love for the song uh, more than anything else. He was all about the art. And, yeah. um, and then the artist and then everything else under that. Um, he was quite egotistical which is fairly ironic because he was all about getting rid of the ego in art. Okay. <laughs> and when, you, when you read his book, which is really beautiful, um, he talks about that and really nails it. Okay. But him himself was a really, he had a big ego, you know. Um, but like a really big personality and a lot of charisma is sort of um, to go with it it was it wasn't it wasn't obnoxious I wasn't as obnoxious as it might have been unfortunately um we fell out um during our second album um because okay. he wanted to do things differently and wouldn't listen and um he might have been right you know i look back at the things that he was hating back then uh he thought that the singles we were releasing were commercial suicide and um, he thought that we'd lost the plot and and you know it's a valid opinion you know um, he might have been right you know if we'd done a second album that was sort of more of an organic movement from the first album and less of a sort of um, rip it up and start again than it was uh, we might have done better commercially, but I don't know that we'd still be here now. Yeah, it's interesting. Though, I remember that coming out and sort of, then like
0: kind of uh, going, oh, okay, like, wow. And, they go, and sort of going going that way. And I remember feeling like, nice one. That's like, good that you did that. So it's different how people,
1: you know. Yeah, I think we needed it to It's like, I think if you're a great band, it can flex and do different stuff and you'll be all right. Yeah, yeah. And I think the enemy of that is trying to recreate or live off your past glories. And um so although, you know, Jazz I think he had a he had a valid opinion, I don't necessarily think that we would have had the story that we've got now. Yeah. If we'd have done, just done, you know, what he'd wanted us to do. It's
0: funny that how you look at bands and see that how career like careers like all the like albums lead up to albums and then comes out like you know out of nothing and the last couple of albums you've made is like okay this is like a much more of a bigger journey than maybe like the kind of one two three album you know and like actually that yeah. band's dynamic and the band's growth and because it's the same members right in the
1: bands yeah 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 exactly this members that's crazy all the that's crazy, crazy in itself it's very rare like very rare um there's there's only a handful of bands in the world that have had our success and not at least lost one member or had someone leave and then come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's only really like you 2 Radiohead, Co-play. Well, they almost lost their drummer. That's you know they almost did that. Yeah, yeah. There's very, very few, very few. Um, uh, we we we, we tryna uh, sort of we've had this chat on the back of a tour bus and uh, it, we can't get more than five. So. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, really.
0: I think it's amazing. I mean, did you start? Was that did the band start out as like Union you Bro and um, like was a school band kind of thing?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, like- started with him, um, with a bunch of mates doing like sort of death metal, oh. of, or <laughs> like it was all sort of like anthrax metallic, and it's hilarious. Um, also, also, like really heavy 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 music and i used to go down and make them cups of tea and boss them about and uh i think eventually they all got fed up of being bossed about and the only one that was left was our Rick. and yeah. and so then we were like right, right okay well let's find a bass player and find a drummer and that's what we did brilliant brilliant not <laughs> it didn't quite happen like that but that's sort of the yeah, in yeah. a nutshell story you know yeah 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 um
0: Songwriting for you, like what's your process like? Does it is it does it change? Yeah, what's your habitual kind of way of writing a song? And
1: well, I used to just sit down with a guitar and then just carry on until I got something. And um, mm. but that is not a good way of doing it because 99.9% of your time is an absolute waste. Because you don't get anything. And I don't know if Sort of telling your brain that you're not going to go anywhere until it comes up with something is the only way to get good stuff. But that was the theory. It was like, we're not doing anything else? So you better come up with the goods. It was like holding a fucking gun to my head, you know. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna sit here and you're gonna not do anything else until you get that fucking song.
0: That's quite a northern working class thing, as well. <laughs> yeah, do like, Not yeah. You
1: don't really do anything to you eat your dinner. That's like I
0: literally, yeah. like,
1: you know. Yeah. Um. And if I regret anything, it's that. Um. I wish I had. Uh, not wasted so much time. Probably out of those early fifteen years, probably spent about fourteen of them fucking banging my head against a brick wall.
0: You There's, know, I, I don't, don't know
1: that those first few albums were worth it. You know, because everyone else was getting married, having kids, having a life then getting divorced, you know, and I was still fucking living this like life of a, almost like a Trappist monk or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Now I'm like the band, uh, send me ideas. Usually I Rick or Mick, but also Mike and Steve send me ideas. And every now and again, I just sit there with all of their ideas and spend a couple of hours, even if, if I get melodies. Yeah. And you know, for every 10 or 15 ideas, I might get a bit of something. And then when I've got a bit of something, then I've got something to work on. Yeah, yeah. And that's how we did the last album. And I'm really massively proud of the last album. You know, I think it's one of our best. And yeah. it was a lot easier than the first album, you know. If you look at the amount of work that went into the first album when compared to the last album. The first album is not that many more times better than. Do you know what I mean? I've 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 done something that's like means that I've sort of zoned sounding on the creativity. And, yeah. And it's the only thing I will say is that when it comes, you have to honor it. So no matter where I am or what I'm doing, if I get that feeling, I'm like right. Fucking, everything has to stop. Yeah, Young, really difficult when you've got a four-year-old and a one-year-old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right,
0: so I, I said this before, because I've got, I, had, I was 20, uh, 22, when I had, uh, and signed up with a band and everything, which obviously went. I didn't go the way it was meant to. But I had a kid at 22, and it was that thing of going, right, I'm going to have to write in my head, because, like, I haven't got the time to sit. I can't do these things I've been doing for the last three or four years, so I'm going to have to find a way to, like, do the work up here whilst holding the baby <laughs> or like doing the kind of kid thing. So it does sort of change the way you write. And so maybe put some of that, what you're saying is like it's a different kind of efficiency or a different kind of work. Cause yeah. you've just got to like, fit yeah. it. In. it's like, you know, it's a different thing. The instant, It's like the songwriting is nature and it will grow. A flower will grow through a crack in a path. It will come out somewhere somewhere. Yeah. It's, you know, it's that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. The, the, the only thing is, is to not let the standard go down. Yes. So, you know, that's, that's the only thing that has to is, Um You have to, like, feel like what you're doing is yeah. going to be knocking out some of those songs that have been in the set for ages, yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. And it's, so when you're making your ideal festival set, there has to be a, two or three new songs on it. Otherwise, the songs you're writing aren't fucking good enough.
0: Yeah, Well, that's... Um,
1: I like that. And that's, that's sort of my my thing is like, if we had an hour to fill at Glastonbury, would I put that news on and that news on? And if the answer is no, it's like, well, that song's not fucking good enough then. I really like that you think about that. It's the way I think about stuff
0: fly right for my band or for me. It's like, if you're not doing, if you're not having that thought process, you're sort of
1: what you're in it for. You know, it's like, it's lazy, isn't it? Yeah. So it's all right to get more efficient and and to mix it up with the writing, but the standard always has to be this yeah, yeah yeah um and I think if you let it drop and yeah and I don't think you ever let it drop on purpose. you know, like our third album, I'm not that happy with it and our fifth album, I'm not that happy with it. um. And it was largely like circumstances that meant that that, that that happened like that. It wasn't anything that we did. Um we really tried really hard on both those albums, you know. Um but sometimes the stars don't align and the quality does drop. Yeah. Um but the, the good thing is that, sort of, the more you've been doing it, the more you can see whether the stars are aligning or not and sort of sort the stars out first. I oh, do think then, so. Uh, That's cool. That's cool. Interesting. You know, I can kind of see the pitfalls and I sort of defend the art and the process so that the work is as good as it can possibly be. When you spoke
0: about earlier on, you're talking about like, you know, you okay you were sitting there like fishing for a song waiting to come for hours but when it finally came like it sounds like you're in some kind of connection or communion with some thing else like whether it's just inspiration yeah. or whatever it is i have this similar thing what what is that for you what is that kind of what how would you describe
1: that um the one of the big ones uh was a song called the love it Six. um and I remember I'd been re- I'd been listening to her "I Want You" by Elvis Costello over and over and over and over and over, just like. Um, I had a tape and it just had that song on it, and I hadn't recorded it over and over and over. It just had it on at the beginning, so it went on, and then I rewound it and then stuck it on again. Um. So I'd have to wait twenty seconds while it rewound and then stick it on again. People won't understand what I'm even talking about with that. You, you know, <laughs> everything's so instant now. Yeah. Um, I just listened to it over and over and over and, and then I tried. I wanted to write a song, but got me as much as that. Yeah. And I remember, um, started writing this other thing. About a girl being drunk, and that ended up being a beast, I think. Um, And then, in the middle of writing that, I just stopped and took a breath. And then the entire song for the Love It Takes just all came out in one go. Love that. And in the bit, uh, and the words as well. Like all the words, like well, naps. Hint of the words. I think I tweaked it, but um, and I, I got to the bit. It was like I'll give everything I own for what it takes. It was just like I want a song, and here I am. I'll, I'm, I'll, I'll give you everything. Just give me a fucking song, basically. Um. And I guess that was connected to not having any love in my life. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't in love. Um, uh, I was in a relationship, but it was sort of, it wasn't the real thing. She was a wonderful person, and we're still really good mates now. But it wasn't, it wasn't going to go the distance. It didn't go the distance, you know. Um. And, yeah, and it just, I guess when you deny yourself emotionally, you know, maybe the universe finds a different way of speaking to you. And maybe that's where it's. Wow, that's from. amazing. You know? Mm. Maybe it's sort of, you sort of force it, you know, like, well, that's a really um,
0: good thing to say, and that should it's, it's, uh, really resonate with that.
1: Yeah, and yeah. I think any 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 art, um, you know, whether it's a in in or you know, great film or or wherever it is, if it's worth being called art, then it it must in some way articulate something that's. Impossible to articulate, or that you can't just choosing your words, you know. And I, you know, as a bluff northerner who didn't really talk much about my feelings, and you know, it's quite sort of like you know, Ian Brown, the big I am in the press, you know. Um, I think. You know, my soul was sort of fucking crying to be heard above yeah. my own sort of self-imposed bullshit. You know, yeah, 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 and uh, and so every now and again, you get these fucking searing moments of clarity, and um, yeah, that was one of them. Yeah, definitely.
0: That's an amazing, man. I uh, really resonated with a lot of what you're saying. It's quite, it's quite, quite interesting. Um. This is going to might sound a bit bonkers. This, or it might be something I've read somewhere else. But you and Chris Martin have, seem to have quite a close friendship. And uh, am I right in thinking that you are the scientist? No, no, right. I'm not. No, right. did I, my, <laughs> I did ask that, him because he dedicates
1: it to Dan. Because that's what I thought. I you know, said, yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, that must be like so. It's a. It's me getting on a Paul is dead. Man. No, I don't. I don't.
1: I don't think I am. Their A and R man is also called Dan. Okay. And Chris said, no, it's him. Okay. But a few people have asked me that, and so I asked him that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, and I think he was nice about it. I think he says, yeah, you could be. And I said, yeah, but is it really? He went, no, it's all right, I'm So <laughs> I was like, right, okay.
0: <laughs> you know. Um, it just sounded like the sort of thing you might say. Like, it was, it sounded quite like you, in a way,
1: lyrically. Anyway, that's... that's um... Well, I mean, that, that song is definitely very... Danny McNamara. That's when, when I when I first heard it, um I was uh I was in London and they were in the studio just mixing the album and he stuck it on. And my heart just flipped out of my chest. Like I was suffering back then from palpitations quite a lot, and so I was on beta blockers anyway. Right. <laughs> okay. I, I almost had to go home because my heart just went fucking berserk. I was, like, so, like, wow. Because, like, I think most people, when they hear a song like that, it's on the radio, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and, you know, whatever. But I I was hearing it in the in the place it was conceived, on these massive speakers, and no one in the world knew where it was. It was just this thing. And I was just like, fuck, that is just enormous. That is... What it felt like to me was it felt like sort of a uh, better version of what I was trying to do with songs like Fireworks and Reach Head and, you know, Drawn from Memory and all that. It just felt like a new, improved model, you know, it felt like um, that I would be obsolete after that. I just thought, right. well, that's in the world now. So, what fucking chance have I got? You know, right. like, um, and uh, and another way of saying that is like, I was the original sort of uh personal washing up powder, and he was the new one with blue speckles. You know, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so we had that chat, and we talked about it, and we laugh about it because that that sort of. You know i think after after an i I'm, I'm i come to an acceptance that there are things that i do that are, that are very different from what he does and oh, for stuff sure. he does. Yeah. it's very different from what i do yeah. and you know Absolutely. we've exist in a world that likes both of us so yeah I, also just, I just
0: think there's like an element like you could like as a, as a fan of music at that time you could hear the kind of danny mac embrace element in there and that's the, that's like a good thing because like obviously people are inspired by the people. So it was like quite. Yeah. I
1: mean, they've, they've as well, they've completely owned up to that. And, you know, they gave us gravity because they thought this, that sounds too much like embrace, you know? Um, Um, So that is like, you know, and, and obviously we've been mates for, you know, however long it is now, 20 odd years or whatever. Um, And, and they've had a support and, you know, in the Normadones across the globe and what have you. And um you know, so it's it's and also Chris has been massively supportive at some really difficult moments, you know. Um he's been there when it's been Mm. the middle of the night and I've not known who to ring and I've rung him and he's been there, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um so it's, it goes beyond all that now yeah you know? yeah
0: this is like a it's a brotherhood isn't it like this is what you find yeah. like i think you know further down the road you get and success or not success or competition or whatever it becomes you become a, a family don't you whether it's your own band or yeah, people you've yeah. toured with it becomes something bigger which is
1: yeah i've I found myself really defensive of them as well like you know when people say that Chris is boring or bland or beige or whatever, it's I'm like, you've not I've met him. He's none of those things. And also,
0: if you're not listening yeah. to the music, because it's like things like Square One, for example, in front of X and Y or Up in Flames, or it's it's like I'm I'm a, I've had many conversations with people defending Chris Martin as all Coldplay as a band, which is ridiculous because they're so successful, but it's like. I will I will stand up for that man to the day I die as a songwriter because I think he's he's great and people don't hear it and they think, make
1: a judgment. Yeah, he's a brilliant songwriter. As he some himself so vulnerable and so like up and um and that's really brave, you know. It's yeah. very easy to do stuff that's cynical or ironic or arch yeah. or clever clever. It's really difficult to to get that. your ego out of the way and just let's on do what it wants wanted it to do. I agree. And um, what advice would you way. give
0: songwriters? This is obviously
1: this podcast is all about celebrating. Well, do that. <laughs> 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 do that. In, in spite of you know everything, just do that. Get your fucking ego and your and your the things that you consciously think you want to do. Get that out of the way and just see what comes out and. I often, it'll be more profound and it'll be more powerful if you're not getting in your own way. Great advice. And I hate bands that, you know, never liked bands that are really arch and ironic. Um, I agree. You know, because even when those bands do something that's inspired, they always hold it down by... Sort of having a like a clever wink to the camera about where they are. It's like,
0: you're not uh, fucking
1: clever. You're just like the rest of us. Just, you just got a song, you know?
0: Also, there's a point of view. I remember at a certain point, you know, when I go into art college and started doing that, am I an art songwriter or songwriter, songwriter? It's like, Mate, I'm just. I haven't. It's exhausting to try and keep up with that level of pretentiousness or artiness. Like I'm. I'm just, I'm, just gonna, I'm just gonna say I love you in a song, and that's like that's what I need to say, right? And whatever way I need to say it, but I can't keep up with the kind of trying to be clever thing. It's just it doesn't work for me. Like that. The,
1: the, the sort of the simpler and the rawer and the bearer, the better. I agree. Um, you know, I mean, I, I do. I do, like, get clever little lines in there. Um, and when one comes just in the moment, it's great. But um, the biggest job is getting out of your own way.
0: In not just in some writing, in life and relationships.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, just that like, generally, get out
0: of your own fucking way. Jesus <laughs> yeah. Christ, yeah. It carries on. Um, mate, the last question I'd like to ask you, and thank you so much for your time. Like, it means a lot to me to speak to you about this all right. My pleasure. Um, if I ask everybody this, and it'll change from day to day, but I'm just kind of interested in your here and now reactions. Like, if you could have written any song, which wasn't one of your songs, any song from across, dead or alive, whose song would you love to have written and why?
1: All right. So the one that always bewilders me is "Hail It Up right yeah. mm-hmm. where that I know it just does what it does mm. it just it just seems or so like it seems like it seems like it's beamed in fully formed it, like artwork out how that arrived yeah 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 just i look at that and i think oh man you know I think if I'd written that, I'd probably give up. <laughs> I probably would, but then would I? Would because you'd written it you'd be like it's my job now. I'm the guy who writes that, so I've got, everyone's waiting for me to write another one as good as that. Like you'd probably be like doubly pressured, you know. But I like to think that I'd be like, nah, that's it. I've done it now. I'm like an elephant now. I I, I know my time's up. I can go to the graveyard and just lie down, and, you know, because um, that is just like. You know, that's such a. Uh, I feel it's just, funny, you know, because it's... everything. It's funny
0: hearing you talk about that because Baccarat's got that thing. It just it's like a different alien breed of human, isn't it? Like he just sort of, they arrive and it's like what, how? But it's like, uh, you know, I grew up feeling the same way about my weakness is none of your business, and that's the song which has come back and like every time through my life it will come in, and I'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's. That's it, you know. So, like, it's it's funny. I think we all think of each other uh, in that way, you know, as else.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, my weakness is a weird one because I got the verse ages before I got the chorus, and the chorus was in a different song. And uh, we were we needed a B-side I've all good people, and I just stuck them together, okay. and and you know, in the morning. And sort of by eleven o'clock, Mick had put all the strings on it, and um, it was pretty much fully formed. You know, I was like, I was trying to write the second verse, remember? And I'm going like, I don't, I don't want to sing the second verse. And Rick just went, What about singing Hallelujah? You know, like Leonard Cohen, and I went. All right, yeah, that's that's good, and then, so that that, that was like, like "Hallelujah, You're the One" was like the line in the second verse, and it was just really like, you know, really like a rush job, I would say. Mm. Um, but that, you know, if you're in a rush, you're getting out of your own way because you haven't got time to get in your own way, you know. Yeah, that's true. Um, so I think I think it's just so coming back to your question about advice to songwriters is just like do everything you can. Get out of your own way because I mean the good stuff will still come in spite of you. I think if you if you fucking work at it long enough, yeah. but um I think if you get out of your own way, it's more likely to you know it's it sort of unblocks it and it and and, and and it and it comes out. Fireworks was another like that was a really quick one. I was under the mixing desk writing the words for that and. I had like an hour and I didn't have time to second guess. But, you know, I mean, there are some songs that I've written where it took me fucking months to get the lyrics right. And and they do sound effortless. They've got to sound effortless, you know. And yeah. sometimes they are effortless and that's why they sound effortless. And sometimes it fucking a lot of effort went in and it's yeah. making it sound like you didn't give a shit, you know. Brilliant. Thanks,
0: Danny, mate, for your time. I appreciate this. All right. My pleasure.